Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18? 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to follow on from last week um, where we were. Uh, the title this morning is Victory in the Valley. And we're going to read a well-known story, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, when you get there, we're going to read verse 21, and then we'll move down and read from verse 36 uh, through the verse 40. So once you're there, 1 Kings 18, verse 21, if you'd stand with me this morning uh, for the reading of God's Word, 1 Kings chapter 18 <clears throat> and verse 21, and then we'll go down to verse 36. <clears throat> Amen. Let's read it together. Verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Verse 36. And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, that not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Father, this morning, we just pray for your help, for your anointing to be upon your word. Lord, that you would speak to every life in this room. Lord, we just confess our great need of you to be in our midst. Lord, for your presence to come. Lord, would you break through. Lord, would you open eyes, break through into hearts this morning. Lord, by the power of your word that lives would be changed. Lord, would you turn our hearts toward you this day, O God, that by the power of your spirit, Jesus would be lifted up, glorified through the preaching of your word. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. We take your seats this morning. Last week, uh, we were in Revelation chapter 16. I want to recap on that if you want to follow with me for a few moments, just as, again, reminding us and introducing uh, this message. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13, we are seeing here in the Scripture concerning the last days an outpouring of wickedness that will flood the earth. Uh, the Bible says there that there was three unclean spirits like frogs that come out of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, and they will go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. In other words, the Scripture is telling us prior to the great battle, the final battle, the battle of Armageddon, there'll be an outpouring of spiritual wickedness upon the earth. And then the Lord speaks and says, In the midst of that, behold, I come as a thief. 
Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And it focuses our attention on a place in Scripture. He gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. This outpouring of wickedness, as we looked at it last week, uh, I believe firmly that we are under the influence or certainly seeing or experiencing the outpouring of this unclean spirit is manifested. It is manifested in the broader aspect of our world, our society, and we are seeing this fulfillment of revelation take place. It first of all happens spiritually. It's important that we grasp and see the reality that the first thing that will happen there'll be a spiritual outpouring of these unclean devils. And there's an end time battle. We're in that battle. It's called the battle of Armageddon. It ends, it ultimately ends with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll come. He will come. Christ is coming. But there's a battle or an intensity that will lead us right up to that final battle that will take place. It's known as Armageddon. The second coming of the Lord is consistently referenced and there are significant supernatural heavenly signs that will uh, come at the same time of the coming of the Lord. And when you follow the Scriptures through from the prophets, right through into the Gospels, right through in the book of Revelation, when you come to the day of the Lord, when He comes in His wrath, you'll always see a consistency in the language of Scripture. That's why you know that it's to do with the wrath of God, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to follow some of these this morning, you, you can. But in Luke chapter 21 and verse 24, Scriptures say these words, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There's a fulfilling of the gospel being preached into the Gentiles and the coming in of the Gentile nations. Then it says these words, And then there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth there will be the distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts fail them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken, then, then they shall see the Son of Man. So we see the indications, there's signs that the Bible say clearly that will precede and also assist the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they shall see, when you see these things, the Bible says, begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. So I want you to see the consistency of Scripture. In Matthew's Gospel, again referring to this uh, time of which the Lord told us of, Matthew 24 and verse 29, Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, in other words, there's a period of time on the earth prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a period of time upon the earth, a time of great tribulation. The Bible tells us it's a time that we haven't seen or haven't been haven't been aware of before. Or we've never seen the like of it. 
Well, this takes place, and then it says, and I want you to listen to the words if you can pick up the consistency, and then the sun will be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Follow the consistency of Scripture, if you would, with me this morning, 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 13, he writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Behold, Isaiah 13 and 9, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord comes cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. In verse 10, they listen to the language, the consistency of Scripture. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Are you following the consistency of the verses just that assist or that are the indications of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation, if you turn right over to it in chapter 6 and verse 12, and we referenced this last week, but just follow it if you would for a moment. Just allow the Word of God to do its work. It's truth. It brings life. It brings revelation. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. We read there that I beheld when... He had opened the sixth seal. We see the seals here in the book of Revelation. Each of them being opened. And lo, there was a great earthquake. What happens is the sun became black. A sackcloth of her and the moon became as blood. What happens is the stars fell onto the earth even as the fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together in every mountain and every island were moved out of their places, the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, the bond men, the free men, hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? There's a consistency when you see these words being used that is referring to the wrath, the second coming, and the wrath of God upon the earth. It is the culmination of a great battle that is already taking place spiritually. Now I want you to turn in to the book of Joel this morning. We're following this theme, if you like, but just I want you to try and just allow God to speak to your heart. Wherever you are with God, whether you're saved or whether you're not saved, perhaps you're cold, perhaps you're backslidden in heart, but just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. so important. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, we see that the prophetic, as it were, there was an alarm that was being sounded because there was a day that was coming. And it begins there in the well-known verses of Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. In other words, if you, if you can understand this, this is like a prophetic uh, warning that comes through the prophet. He's, he's saying, Blow the trumpet in Zion. He's saying, Sound 
sound an alarm in my holy mountain. It is the, it is the work of the men of God that stand on pulpits across this land and street corners. It is their responsibility to blow the alarm for the coming of the Lord draweth near, sadly and tragically, and it is tragic that there are many, there are many pulpits are not sounding an alarm. Actually, I believe that the most of the pulpits in our nation are not sounding the alarm. They're not sounding the alarm. Some still have not opened their doors again. There is no alarm that is being sounded because we're asleep. But yet if you hear, and I thank God for the many that are sounding the alarm, there is a prophetic call. There is a prophetic call that God begins to burden men and women with the revelation of Jesus Christ his second coming, the day that we're living in, and it is time now to seek the Lord. It is time to get right with God. Because there is this warning that all the inhabitants of the land tremble. He says, verse 1, for the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord is at hand. In other words, the day of the Lord is right, right before us. It is actually within reach and distance. That's how close we are to the day of the Lord. That Christ is coming and the wrath of God will be poured out upon the earth. And so the alarm, the prophetic alarm, begins to be sounded from the ministers of God. That's not just people that stand on a platform. That's God's remnant. That's the people of God that have a witness in their spirit. We're living in days that we have been prophesied and warned of, and now we're living in them. And so there is a prophetic element that comes to that, that we sound the alarm. We sound the alarm. In verse 9 it says in chapter 2, they shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. Then the sun... And the moon will be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining, and the Lord shall honor His voice before His army, for the Lord's camp is very great. For He is strong that executeth His word. He is not weak. He is not a baby and lion in a manger. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's coming again. And He roars out of Zion the mighty victor, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. The sun will not shine. The moon will be darkened and the stars of the universe will begin to fall. And he utters his voice and his camp is very great and he's strong that executed his word. For the day of the Lord is great and the Bible says it's very terrible and who can abide it? Revelation says, who can stand? Thank God you can stand, but you can only stand in the righteousness of Jesus. And then in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, again this reference to this day. Now, what you'll find is sometimes you might get a little bit confused. What does that mean? Because we've already covered this day. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And then what happens is, the prophet goes back to what happens preceding that. He says there's repentance. There's a day of deliverance. 
If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And then he goes back to, but there's a day coming that the sun will not shine and the moon will not shine and the stars of heaven will fall because the Lord's coming. In other words, he's referring to this day. Then he goes back before it. Then he goes back to it again. This is what he says in verse 31. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. There's a remnant. There's a remnant in the last day. It will be a spectacular heavenly demonstration to present to the entire world the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Leading into this great battle, and I believe this is where we are, there is an intense spiritual warfare. Every believer that's walking with the Lord is in His Word, will experience and are experiencing this intense spiritual warfare. Would you say amen if you're there? But the warfare, this physic, this man, this spiritual warfare, remember there's those unclean spirits that are poured out upon the earth, which we are witnessing, we see, has to manifest itself. It will manifest itself physically because a spirit must have a body. So there will be a manifestation of what is happening spiritually. Remember, everything of the spiritual will always manifest itself physically. So when we are watching the changes that are taking place, for example, so important to just simply understand this, when we see the laws being changed in the physical, something's already changed in the spiritual. It's already happened spiritually before we come to see the manifestation of that physically. Now, I do believe, I do believe we need to pray that God would put righteous men into our parliament. I do believe that we need to pray that God would put a righteous man standing as our first minister that will not just stand for the sake of a union, but will stand for the sake of righteousness. And I do believe we need to pray, and I, I know that some know uh, Edwin puts very well, and I know that he's an evangelical, born-again Christian, and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pray if God has appointed this man to stand as our first minister. We, we know that God has answered our prayers. We've been praying, God, put righteous men in government. Lord, give men with a voice that will stand for righteousness and truth. Will God put that man in his place and give him a voice? But the laws that are changing, the change has already taken place in the spiritual. This is so important. Why spiritual warfare and why prayer is important. Prayer is just not coming together for a meeting, just to talk things over. Prayer is actually engaging in spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil is quite happy for dead prayer meetings, empty prayer meetings, the devil's quite happy for us to go through the motions. But when a people begin to get down and get serious with God in prayer and on their knees and begin to pray in the power of the Spirit of God, things happen spiritually 
and manifest physically. So he's not threatened by dead religion. He's not threatened by gatherings that's just all hoopla and jumping around and nothing happening. But a people on their knees in prayer, the devil fears a praying people. So the laws that are changing that we're seeing, there has already been a shift in the spirit. You've got to understand that, you know, we have the best way to, to, that I felt that I could explain this is that we have tectonic plates on the earth. And when under the sea those plates shift, we don't see the shift of the plates, but there's a tsunami that arrives on the shore. What's happening is that there are plates that are being shifted spiritually and we are now having a tsunami of wickedness arrive on our shores. It's happened in the spirit. This will happen according to God's word. I believe in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7 where we have looked at this verse many times. It says that the mystery of iniquity already works, but only he who now led us will let until he be taken out of the way. I believe what happens there is that there is a spiritual shift. In other words, God lifts his hand. The restraint that is upon the nations, the restraint that's been upon our nation, have you not witnessed that it's been lifted? And so what happens in the lifting of that restraint, this is according to the divine counsel and purpose of God. It is for the revelation of the Antichrist in the last days. Now we are witnessing the physical manifestation of God lifting his hand in a nation that no longer want to serve him. They don't want to know about God. They don't want to know the truth of God's word. And now we are going to see a manifestation of that Antichrist and wickedness abounding in these days because the Bible says that's what it will be like. Then there is a manifestation of powers and signs and lying wonders. Verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians says, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They don't want to hear about the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. They don't want to hear about our God and who He is and the great love that He has for them to save them, to deliver them. So they reject They reject the truth or the love of the truth. And here's what I want you to hear very carefully because this is what the Bible tells us. And for this cause, because there's a rejection of truth, because they're saying, we don't want your God we don't want the Bible. We don't want these truths anymore. These, these things are a bygone age. This is a Victorian. But we are now on the right side of history. We have moved on and you need to move on too. So we don't want your God. We don't want your truth. We don't want your ways. We want to live our way and do our thing. What happens in that situation, what is happening now, right now what is happening, verse 11 says, for this cause... 2 Thessalonians 2, for this cause God then sends them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So when you're speaking to people or I listened to something the other day, I just try to keep up to date with a few things, but particularly in this whole area of transgender, 
when you're listening to people, they actually believe this to be the truth. They're actually believing. When there was a particular young lady being interviewed and she actually believes she's a man. But it's not a case of that. It's just an idea. She actually believes this. Why? What is happening? There is a delusion that has come. Oh, God has such a plan and a purpose. God has such a plan for lives. His way, His blessing, His love, His freedom, His deliverance. But now there's a manifestation that has swept across the nations. The plates have shifted. And in the spiritual, there's always a manifestation in the physical. There's always the law of that harvest. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatsoever the nation sows, that's what it will also reap. The nation that forgets its God shall be turned into hell. This is a manifestation of the spiritual because the plates have already shifted. In the same sense, it is also true of that of the Holy Spirit. It is also true of that if it's true of that and that of the wicked is also true of that of the righteous. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 tells us God who is Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 and 5, Wherefore when He came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. What happened was that there was a manifestation of the eternal purposes of God all found in the person of Jesus Christ. God's heart who is Spirit was revealed in Jesus the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in our Lord. He was given a body. And thank God in that body is the fullness of the Godhead. And it was expressed into this world that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that He left the splendor of glory and there's a manifestation physically of who God is. You want to know who God is? Look to Jesus. The one who died on the cross and gave his life for you. Shed his blood for you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. To give you hope and peace and an expected end. It's all found in the person of Jesus Christ. When Christ descended after his death and ascended, he left an expression of that which is the spiritual on the earth. That is his body. The, the body of Christ. That's you and I. We are an an expression of the spiritual this morning. It is sad that it has been descended into religious denominations and just going to meetings when we can or squeeze it in. But friends, I want to tell you what this gathering is this morning is a manifestation of that which is the spiritual. It's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and He wants to express Himself to this lost and dying world through His body. How did He do that? He did that by the power of the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came upon Him and by the power of the Spirit of God, He went about. He healed all that were oppressed. He delivered all that were demon-possessed. He opened the deaf ears. He opened the blinded eye. He set people free. He raised the dead. And this is the body of Christ. And so he wants to express who he is by the power of the Spirit of God. God, forgive us if we've made it a denominational thing. 
If he desires to express himself, he can only do that by the power of his spirit. That's why the devil's been so subtle. Subtle moving into the church and bringing denominationalism and division and names and titles and this, that and the other because it's stripped the church of its power. So it isn't expressed any longer as what it's supposed to be. The body of Christ. That means that those, that little woman that said that day who, who was sick with that issue of blood and she said within herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. In the same way, friends, that if there's one come into this meeting this morning, this is the body of Christ and it should be a desire. If I could be amongst that body this morning, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. But we've reduced it to something that it isn't. We've reduced it down to denominationalism and religion and the outward working of all of that that we just get the church on a Sunday, tick the box. God's happy with me. How sad it's become. That's why the devil is so active against the church of Jesus Christ. Keep it in its place. Keep it in its death. Keep it in its own physical outward manifestation of our own religious acts. But oh, that the anointing of God would be upon the body of Christ. There is an inspiration in the last days. It is a spiritual one. There is an outpouring of unclean demonic spirits. It's spiritual Armageddon. It's not. It will culminate in Israel. It will culminate in that valley of Megiddo. But friends, it is right on our doorstep. You remember that? It is right at that door. And so God begins to speak about this battle. I want you to hear me this morning. God begins to speak. The great men and the mighty men and all the movements that there are today that are against Christ and His people. God begins to speak to them. Look at Joel chapter 3. And verse 9, this is God speaking to the nations of the world, to all the movements of the world. He says these words, Joel 3 and 9, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near. This is God speaking to all the kingdoms of the earth, all the movements that you see today, all the rights movements, all the liberal movements, all of them, God's speaking to them. As he says, he said to them, you come up, beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak sound strong, assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about, thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord, let the heathen be awakened. He's saying, you rise up, that's what God's saying, you all get together, you assemble yourselves together, you rise up. Let the heathen be awakened. Let them come down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. This is another name for the place of Armageddon. The valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. He says, put you in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. The time has come for the press is full and the fats are overflow. For the wickedness is great. We've come to a point now. I know that everyone is, seems to be completely fixated upon the everyday data that's coming out about how we're going to live our lives in the light of the daily data. 
But I want to talk about a very, very much, a much more important data that you should be concerned about, and that is the rise of wickedness. In the prophetic, you will understand this. When God speaks and says, this is what's going to happen, there is another chart that, if you like, you should keep an eye on. That's the chart of the rise of wickedness. Because when that gets to a point, that's when God exercises His righteous judgment. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, you'll see here these principles of how they work. In Genesis 15 and 13, he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed will be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them for 400 years. So God is speaking his prophetic word over Israel. He's revealing it to Abraham. And then he says, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. So here's the prophetic calendar that God's revealing to Abram concerning his people. But verse 15 says, Now shall go to thy fathers in peace. Now shall be buried in a good, good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So we see here that according to the word of the Lord, God's speaking about what is going to take place. But in the same hand, the judgment of all of that will be exercised as the wickedness of man increases and increases and increases until the cup of iniquity is full. There is only one that knows when the cup of iniquity is full, and his name is Jesus. And here we find in Joel chapter 3, we find a people that are called into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And there God is saying that this is where I will judge all the heathens round about. It's the same place as Armageddon in the New Testament in Revelation chapter 16. It is where the final judgment will take place upon the earth. He says in verse 14 of Joel chapter 3, listen to this, now we know it's the valley of Jehoshaphat, Armageddon. And then he says in verse 14, I want you to listen carefully in these final few moments. It says in verse 14, there's multitudes, there's multitudes in the valley of decision. Listen carefully. In this battle of Armageddon of the final moments of time, whether it's another 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, I don't know. But what I do know is that we have entered into this last, the last of the last days and there is a warfare that's taken place. What takes place here is that God says, you all the earth and all the kings, the United Nations and all the systems and the one world governments, everything, you assemble yourselves together against me and against my people. He actually permits them to do it. God is in control of everything that's happening. And now he brings them into a place metaphorically, and I also believe it culminates physically in this area, but now he brings them into a place, and this is where we are today, into a valley, and he calls it the valley of decision. God brings the nations of the world and the peoples of the world, he brings you and he brings me right down into the valley of decision, the valley of Jehoshaphat. He's bringing his people and he's bringing the nations of the world right into this valley of decision. Listen to me this morning, Friend, I need you to listen carefully because this I know is a prophetic message and the fulfillment of this is going to be manifested whether 
You like it or you don't like it, whether we believe it or we don't believe it, the word of the Lord is going to be fulfilled. Not because of me, but because of who God is. He says that the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. He gathers the people and the nations of the world and the spiritual conflict in which we are experiencing. It's Armageddon. It's a fierce battle. There's a manifestation of that physically all around us. But now we're gathered together in the valley of decision. You're here this morning by the grace of God, but God has led you into this valley. God has brought you into this valley this morning and it's the valley of decision. It's a place that God has ordained for your life to come to. There are choices that are going to be made in this room this morning for eternity. There are choices and decisions that are going to be made not because of me or because of this church, but before Almighty God, you're going to make a choice in your heart today. And this is so serious. multitudes in this valley. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Elijah comes to the people in our reading this morning in 1 Kings chapter 18 and he draws them together at that Mount Carmel and he speaks and he says, Elijah speaks to the people and he says, how long? He says, how long? How long will you halt between two opinions? This is the reality of where we're coming in these last days. How long? God's crying from the depths of his heart and he's saying, How long? How long will you halt between these two opinions? How long will you give credence that God is God but you want to live in the world and do your own thing? How long will you live in the middle of the road? How long will you sit on the fence? How long? How long? There's a cry that comes from the heart of God and he says, How long? The day of the Lord is near. The battle has begun. Armageddon's on our door. The spiritual shift has happened. The laws are being changed. Wickedness is rising. The Antichrist system is before us. And there's a heart that comes from God the Father. And He says, How long will you halt between these opinions? He makes it simple. He makes it clear. The prophet just simply says, if God is God, then follow God. That's what he says. Stop beating around the bush. Stop playing church. Stop going through the motions. Stop pretending you're saved. Stop pretending you're a Christian. If God is God, then follow God. That's it. It's black and it's white. If God's God, follow God. But if Beal's Beal, the devil's your God, then you follow the devil. You listen to me this morning, friends. I know you might go to a lot of other places and they'll be tickling your ear and they'll be stroking your back and they'll be encouraging you into the depths of hell. But listen to the heart of God this morning. If God's God, follow God. And if the devil's God, then you follow your devil. Do you know the tragedy of that moment? 
in the Scripture, if you read it, it's a real story. Do you know the tragedy of it? Do you know what it says? It says the people didn't answer him a word. They'd become so spiritually lame. This was Israel. This was God's people. They became so spiritually lame that they couldn't respond. I tell you, friends, this morning I'd rather have a response, whether it be rage and anger and I hate him, or whether it be I want to serve God. Listen, there's no personal reflection to me. I'm just here. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I heard the greatest encouraging, and most great compliment that was paid to me yesterday filtering through the system that that's a dropout church. I want to tell you I'm a dropout and I'm saved by the grace of God and God saves dropouts. That's a dropout church. There's a new one for you, friend. You belong to a dropout church. Anyone want to say amen? I rejoice in that. <laughs> we're in the valley of decision young people you're in the valley of decision older people you're in the valley of decision we're about to see the end you know we have been a privileged people in the last 20 30 years to hear some of the modern day prophets that have gone home to be with the Lord, the David Wilkerson's, etc., the B.H. Clendenin's, men that were sent to warn us of the day that would come. They prophesied, they told us that this would happen. And we enjoyed the meetings. We rejoiced in the Word, and the Word was great, and it was encouraging. But I want to tell you something, friends. We are now living in the reality of the prophetic that came. Our battle as the church of Jesus Christ is entirely spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done everything, the church of Jesus Christ must stand, but it is, it is a wicked battle. What's important for the Christian? What's important for the believer is this. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? I want to show you exactly where He is in the midst of this battle in the valley. Psalm chapter 2. If you look at it, Psalm chapter 2 and verse 2 says these words. Psalm chapter 2 and verse 2. Positionally, this is so important. Psalm 2 and verse 2 says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. So the battle is against the, 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 the Lord and the battle is against His anointed. Who's His anointed? Those that are saved. Those that are washed in the blood of Jesus. So the battle is against you. You know that Christian this morning, the battle is actually against you. And then it says these words, let us break their bands. Now the word bands simply means their restraints. Let us cast away their cords. That's The cords are, you know, a rope is a mixture of a whole lot of bits of string put together. 
What they want to do is they want to remove the fabric of our society that is based upon God's Word. So we want to break that. We don't want the restraints of this any longer. We're tired of this. So we want to break this off. We're against the Lord and His anointed. And so we want to break the restraints and cast away that divine influence that was upon our nation. Now here is the position of God in the valley. Verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Think about it. In all of what's happening today, you need to see this, that God is on His throne. This may not be a picture that people like or think about God, but God is saying, you assemble all yourselves together. He's seated on His throne. The psalmist says that He's laughing. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then He shall speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore sore displeasure. Here is a picture of God seated on His throne as the assembly comes together of all the kingdoms of the world against the anointed of God and against the Christ of God. And God sits on His throne and He's laughing. What's important and why that's important to us is, this is really crucial, that we must know our position in the valley as well. We must understand what our position is, not only God's, but what is my position in this valley. If this is Armageddon, Tim, if this is what you're saying is true, which I believe it to be true, you know, someone says to me, do you believe this? Well, I wouldn't preach it if I didn't believe it. But do you actually really believe? Yes, I actually really believe this. So what's the position of the believer? In Armageddon and spiritual warfare and the battle that's taking place and the assembly of the kingdoms of the world and the wickedness that's rising and the spiritual shifts. What's our position? In Ephesians chapter 1, we're told there in Ephesians chapter 1, what the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. In verse 20 says these words, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His right hand in high and heavenly places far above. Where is Christ today? He's above all principality. He's above all power. He's above all might. He's above all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in this world and the one which is to come. And He has put everything under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body of Christ, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Friends, this morning, do we see where Christ is? He's above everything principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named and everything is under the feet of Christ and He's seated. If you go to chapter 2, it simply says these words, Ephesians 2 and verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And then this is what it says, positionally for the believer, it's crucial. It says these words, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
The only way that we are going to go through the storm of these last days and the battle that is raging is a revelation of our position in Christ. Who we are in Jesus. We are seated with Him and if He is above all things and everything is under His feet and every principality and power is subject to Him, then the revelation of this... Now, we might know this in our theology... And we might know this in our intellectual ascent, but the only way that we can truly experience it is by the power of the Holy Ghost. The revelation of who we are in Christ, that we are above all principalities and powers. There is a church that has been found wanting, and it has been weighed in the balances through this pandemic. Listen to me, friends. It has been found wanting. It has been found wanting. I know this is to be true. God has weighed His people and His church in the midst of this pandemic and it has been found wanting. Elijah is the prophetic voice of this day, I believe, that speaks and says, How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you halt between these two opinions? How long? How long the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, dealing with your heart and dealing with your life, and, and God and His purpose to save you, to bring you into the kingdom, to bring the revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ. And the prophetic voice simply says, like Elijah of old and Mount Carmel, how long are you going to halt between these two opinions? If God is God, then you follow Him. But if Baal is Baal, if, if this world's your God, if that world is your God, then follow that world. There is no purgatory, friends. There is no halfway house. There is no in-between. It's heaven, it's hell, it's Christ or the devil, it's light or darkness. Oh, I'm going to get there because I've been good. No one gets there because no one's good, only Jesus. I'm going to get there because I went to church every week and I went to Sunday school. No one gets there because they went to Sunday school. I'm going to get there because I've been a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal or a Methodist. No one gets into heaven because they're a Pentecostal. I'm going to get there because my dad was a preacher and my mom was saved. No one gets into heaven because their dad was a preacher and their mom was saved. How long will you halt the prophetic cry in the valley of decision? How long will you halt between two opinions? Many people mentioned to me last week, was there any response? There was none. Not because I need to hear that there's a response, but there was nothing. The cry of the prophetic, the heart of God to save men and women, but nothing. Nothing, friends. Nothing. Would that stop you preaching? Never. Nothing. If God's God, follow God. I'd rather have yet saved and they're going home to glory than have yet hundred to want to play church. The cry comes. Why do you halt? Why do you halt? 
You know, Elisha had to burn, burn the plow. Elisha had to burn it. If you want the anointing, you want to go all the way with God, friends, it's going to cost you something. Don't cheapen God. Don't cheapen His sacrifice. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Oh, friends, let me tell you something this morning. Jesus said these words, not me. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we've done these wonderful things in your name. And the Lord will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus said that. I heard a man say the other day, we like the Gospels. We like that he fed the poor. We like that he, that, that, that he gave clothes. We like that he was kind to those that were nobodies. But friends, Jesus said this. Many will say to me in that day that I've done all these great things in your name. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. They want a God of their own imagination. And so Elijah says, hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that you are the Lord. And you have turned their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And verse 40 says these words. I want you to listen. Verse 40 says these words. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal that not one of them escaped. They took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. Another remarkable thing, it was only the Spirit of God revealed this to me, and it's true, the remarkable thing about the brook Kishon is Megiddo in the Hebrew, the waters of Megiddo, it's the valley of decision, it's the valley of Jehoshaphat, it's the battle of Armageddon. What a day this is going to be. What an end to all of this. Friends, what an end of all of this is going to be. When God comes in all His glory and all His might and all His power. And He bursts through those clouds. When the sun will be darkened. And when the stars will withdraw their shining. And the glory and the splendor of Jesus will burst through with a roar out of Zion. And he'll utter his voice from Jerusalem. Zechariah tells us that his feet will touch down on Mount Olives and the mountains will part. There he will judge the nations of the earth who have assembled together against his anointed and against this Christ. And the Lamb, the Lamb of God, has overcome. The Lord will roar out of Zion He'll utter his voice. The heavens and the earth are going to shake. But the Lord is the hope of his people and the strength of his children, Israel. The prophet says, How long are you going to halt between two opinions? How long are you going to go on? Going round the mountain, doing your thing, saying the thing, ticking the boxes. Half in the church, half in the world. How long? How long are you going to do this? How long are you going to let this go on? You see, if God is God, 
Let him be God. Listen, the valley of decision, the valley of decision is right here this morning. You see, I came into this room and this house this morning and I knew I came in very heavy. Very heavy. I knew I came in with a weight, not, not in a, a depressive way, but just a weight because I knew that I was dealing with decisions that are going to be made in this house that are going to determine eternity. I knew that there was going to be decisions that are made, not to me. Who cares what people think? But there was going to be decisions made in hearts today. How the devil has lured young people and hooked them and older people alike with the pleasures of sin in the world and saying, you go this way. And some are sitting here this morning. I know you're in the valley of decision. I know you're sitting in that valley this morning. I know God is speaking to you. I know you know the truth. I know you know the way. There's no one in this room doesn't know the truth. Nobody. And in your heart this morning, you know the right way. You know the truth. But you've been sitting in this valley for too long. And I believe this morning with everything that's within me, listen carefully as I'm closing, I believe with everything that's within me this morning that a decision or decisions are going to be made that determines not just today, but determines eternity. Eternity. Listen carefully, it's your eternal soul. Your eternal soul. If God's God, then you follow God. You give Him your life. You put all on the altar. But if Baal is Baal, if this world is your God, then follow that world. But the consequences couldn't be more severe. For the day of the Lord is at hand. It's coming. Let's pray together this morning.